this morning we're going to take a break from our verse-by-verse series in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be having, giving you a little taste of what we've been doing on Sunday nights as we're going to be doing uh, our series this morning on worship. And we're calling this series Altars and Idols, as you can see here. And what we're doing in this series is going from Genesis all the way through Revelation, doing, doing a survey on what Scripture says about worship. And our theme verse in this series can be found in Romans chapter 12. In verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what we're looking at in this series is that worship is a 24-7 lifestyle. Worship isn't just something that we do here for 30 minutes on Sunday morning and then we go about the rest of our week and don't think about worship again. Worship isn't just what you do in your car when you listen to K-Love or whatever you listen to on the radio to worship. That worship is a lifestyle. And the reality is that we are always worshiping something. We're either worshiping God or we're worshiping something else. And so what we're looking at in this series is how do we as Christians faithfully live out this verse that says present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so we started in Genesis, and Pastor Matt taught us what it looked like to worship in the garden. We saw the account of Cain and Abel, how Abel brought a right sacrifice to God, how his heart was right worshiping before God, and how God honored that. And today we're going to look at a type of worship that I'm very passionate about personally, and that is worship in the family. We're going to be looking at how we as believers are to bring this lifestyle of worship into our homes. And so if you could open your Bibles this morning to Judges chapter 6, we're going to be looking at an event of the life of Gideon. So Judges chapter 6. Before we get into the Word this morning, let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. God, I thank you that it is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. God, as I share with our congregation today these verses that are from your word on how we are to worship, God, I pray that you would soften all of our hearts today to receive what your word says, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be obedient to your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're not going to do a a deep dive on the life of Gideon. We're just going to look at one specific account. Now, a few months ago in our series on the Hall of Faith that we were doing on Sunday nights, we did uh, do a, a sermon on the life of Gideon. So if you would want to know more about Gideon and hear a sermon on Gideon's whole life and that whole account, you can go back to our YouTube page and watch that. But this morning we're just going to look at one specific account. 
And Gideon, he was an Israelite judge that God raised up for a specific time to fight against and to battle against and to push back against the oppression that a foreign people called the Midianites had brought onto them. The Midianites were oppressing the Israelites and God called Gideon to be the one to raise up an army to fight the Midianites. Now, Gideon was a very unlikely person to do that. He was the least of his family and his family was the least in their tribe. But yet God chose Gideon to do a mighty work. And how many of you have seen that in your own life that you know, many times we feel unqualified, but yet that's often who God calls so that he alone gets the glory for what is being done. Amen. And so if you recall in the account of Gideon, Gideon was someone who questioned God. God came to Gideon and he said, I want you to go and fight the Midianites. And Gideon said, are you sure? I need a sign from you. I need you to prove that you're telling the truth, to prove that you are going to be with me. And so three different times, he asked God for a sign to prove that he was telling the truth. And it's in the middle of this questioning that we're at in Judges chapter 6 that I want to focus in on in this account that really we're going to pull some truths from this on how we are to worship in our family. And so in, in the middle of, of Gideon questioning God, God tells Gideon to destroy the altar and the idols that his father had set up to the god Baal. And so that's where we're at in our passage in Judges chapter 6 this morning, starting in verse 25. And it says, That night the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. Now this, these, these were Israelites here. This is God's chosen people. And we see the, the animosity towards Gideon just for doing something that should have been done previously, actually tearing down something that should never have been built. But in this passage today, there's three points of emphasis that I'd like to bring to your attention today regarding worship in the family. And what I want to make you aware of today, I'm not just talking to people maybe in my situation who have young kids and is just 
starting really to train your children. This applies to every family. This applies to empty nesters or maybe you're, you're currently single and living with your parents. This applies to you too. So don't check out today just because maybe you, you don't have young kids to teach the Word of God. But the first, the first point I want to highlight to you is, is in the form of a question. And that question is, who or what is your family worshiping? What is the center point of your family? You see, God was about to do something amazing through Gideon. But first, he needed him to get rid of the idol worship in his family. Now, we know from earlier in Judges 6, we're not going to look at it now, but when God first calls Gideon, Gideon says to God, God, why is this happening to your people? Aren't you the God who delivered us out of slavery in Egypt? Why are we being oppressed? So we know that Gideon had some sort of idea about God, that someone at some point had taught him something about God, but his knowledge of God was mixed with the worship of Baal. And so it's no wonder why when God calls him and asks him to do something that he doesn't trust God because he doesn't rightly know God. He hasn't been taught the Word of God to know that God is a faithful God, that you can trust His promises. But he also hadn't been taught the law where Moses said, if you obey my commands, there will be a blessing for you, but if you disobey and if you serve idols, there will be a curse. You see, Gideon's dad didn't train him in the Word of God to know God. And I have a question for you today. Is your home the same way? Is, is there a mixture of worship that is happening? Remember, worship is 24-7. We're always worshiping something. Is God mixed in a little bit with other things in your family so that those in your household don't truly know God because they're getting mixed messages? Maybe all that your family knows about God is what they hear on Sunday mornings and then the rest of the week there's other things that really without communicating, you are communicating that these things are more important than God and than His Word. So what are some idols in your family that, like Gideon, need to be crushed to make the worship of God central in your home? And I'll be honest, as I was preparing this message, I was preaching to myself. Okay, so I'm not up here saying I've got all this figured out and I'm walking this out 100%. No, I'm preaching to myself here this morning as well. But what is it that we have in our homes that's distracting us, that's robbing us from rightly teaching our children or our spouse, those in our, in our homes, the Word of God? And we know that God takes this very seriously. God expects His Word to be central in our home. If you could turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The book of Deuteronomy is really Moses' farewell sermon to the people of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land and Moses is not able to go with them into the promised land because he had 
disobeyed the command of God when God said, speak to the rock and I'll provide water for your people, Moses struck the rock. And so he was unable to enter the promised land. And so the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. And so this is Moses' last chance to really set up the Israelites for success as they're about to go and conquer a nation full of idol worship and full of pagans. And so this is where we are at in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And starting with verse 1, it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Verse 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. God cares about what happens in our home. God cares about His Word being open in our homes. Because God cares about the next generation. God knows that as His Word is opened in the home and as He is taught and as your son and your son's son knows Him, that it will carry on from generation to generation. And there's nothing in this text that would leave you to believe that this is an optional thing. God doesn't say, as you get into the promised land and as you settle down and if you find some time in your busy day as you're setting up crops and starting your life over, if, if you can just squeeze a couple of seconds in your day, you know, relay some commands to your kids. Th that's not what God lays out here. No, He says literally every moment of the day you should be teaching your children My commands. Verse 2 says that we would fear the Lord you, your sons, your son's son, all the days of your life. Do you fear the Lord? Do you have a holy respect for who God is? Do you have an awe and wonder of His holiness? And are you communicating that fear of the Lord to your children and to your spouse and to your loved ones in your home? Then in verse 7, God lays out this amazing commandment for us that we often overlook. He says, teach 
the word diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Another word for this is earnestly. Or to persevere in your teaching. To give attention to. To take great care to teach your children the Word of God. Now, when are we to do this? It literally says all throughout the day. And this is a command from God. You see, God knew that the Israelites were going into a pagan nation. And if the first generation going into the promised land didn't set the example, then the the whole nation would fall into idol worship. And unfortunately, this is what ultimately ended up happening. That's why we have the book of Judges. Because it's time and time again where God raises up a leader to fight the oppression that's coming because they've fallen into idol worship. So God is judging them. God is sending storms their way. And after one judge, He raises up a judge. He fights a battle for them. That judge dies and they fall into idol worship again. And it's really a downward spiral. It's a great picture of what happens when you turn away from the Word of God in your life. And so God knows that as the family establishes itself in the Word of God, that that, really what that does is it creates a little outpost of the kingdom of God. That as you open the Scripture, as you teach your your family the Word of God, you are establishing His kingdom in your home. And then the kingdom goes forth as you go out, as you go out about your day, as you send your kids off to school, as you go to your job. The kingdom of God is going out into the world. And this starts in the family. But the devil knows this too. And so the family is constantly under attack by the enemy because he knows if he can attack the family, then it will have a huge effect on the culture. And over the last 50 years, we've seen a decay in the traditional family. One man married to one woman, producing children, training them up in the the Word of God, And so as a result, fatherlessness is on the rise. Divorce is skyrocketing. Abortion rates are up. And the devil is constantly attacking the family. So now we see the LGBTQIA plus agenda being pushed in front of your children 24-7. Why? Because the devil wants to attack the family because he knows that that will have an effect on the culture. And so as you look at our culture today, it doesn't resemble one in which the families of our country have been opening the Word of God. No, it's full of idol worship. And so as a result, today we've got secular companies and educational institutions that are trying to attack the family. And they they do it in the form of love and of acceptance, and they try to put a a pretty bow on it to deceive you, but really what it is is attacking the family that God has laid out in Scripture. Because the truth is, if you can influence and mold and shape and guide a child, to do that is to steer the course of the future. And so that's true 
in both respects. If you train them up in the Word of God, you're steering them, you're guiding them, and the future will be bright. Now, if, if we're not doing this in the home, where are they going to get it from? If, if you bring them to church, then they'll, you know, thankfully they'll receive an hour of godly teaching, either in Sunday school or at the youth group here, and I'm thankful for that. But there's 168 hours in the week. That's 10,000 minutes. So 60 minutes a week versus the 9,940 other minutes where they're 24-7 being bombarded by lies and deception, it, it's not going to cut it. And so we have to be very intentional with the time that we have with our children and those that we have influence on in our homes. That's why God is so clear with us in this passage in Deuteronomy. To talk about God in your house while you're sitting, while you're standing, while you're walking. Essentially, every moment of the day that you are in your home should be worship unto God. Now, what does that look like? Am I saying that from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep, you have the Bible open and you're forcing your kids to read Scripture? That's not what I'm saying. But it's this understanding that worship is a 24-7 thing. And so making God central in your home is talking about God in your home. Don't let Sunday mornings be the only time that God is mentioned in your family. And so something um, that I've been trying to do in my home is just any chance I can get to bring God up, I do. So an example is if I come home from work and my amazing wife has prepared a, a meal for us to eat as we're gathered around the family table, I say, kids, isn't it wonderful that your mom loves you so much to, to make this meal for you, that she cares about your well-being, she provided this meal. You know, this reminds me of the love that God has for us and how He's always going to provide for us. You know, it's little things like that that shows your children that God means something to you. If, if what you're constantly communicating to your kids is everything but the goodness of God, they're not going to buy it. That God is, is everything. And so we need to be so intentional with our conversation in the home. Now when you have kids grumbling and saying, I don't want to take out the trash, or why do I have to do the dishes again? You can remind them, you know, you can actually worship God as you're taking out the trash. That the Bible says, let everything that you do do it with your whole heart as to the Lord and not unto men. You're not taking out the trash to please me. You're taking out the trash to worship God and to be a good steward of what He's given you. This is the shift that we need to make in our communication with those in our household. And as we do it, what we're, what we're telling them is that God's Word is supreme in our home. You know, our home should look different than a pagan unbeliever's home. Amen. There, there should be a difference 
And so maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know much of the Word of God. What if I try to read Scripture to them and they have questions about the Bible and I don't know the answers? What if I was just arguing with my spouse five minutes ago and my kids saw that and now I'm trying to read the Bible to them? What if I've got this sin in my life and I, I can't, I'm not worthy to read the Word? You know, these are all questions that I've had before and I think many of us have and it can keep us from opening the, the book with our kids and with our family. But this is an attack of the devil. Because again, the devil wants nothing more than to stop the advancement of, his, of the kingdom of God. And so he'll, he'll come and he'll get in your ear to keep you from opening the Word. But what better thing would there be than for your kids to have questions about the Bible? Even if you don't know the answer, you could tell them, hey, I don't have this all figured out. I'll do some research. I'll find out and I'll let you know. And then in your research, guess what? You're knowing more about the Bible as you spend time finding the answer to the questions that your children have, you are feeding yourself the Word of God. And if you were just in an argument with your spouse, it's a great time to be transparent with your family and let them know, hey, I messed up. I sinned. I sinned against your wife. I, I, not your wife. Hopefully. I sinned against your mother. I sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. I think it's a good thing to let our kids and our spouses know that we need God just as much as they do and for them to see that. So again, what is taking priority in your family that's keeping you from living this out? What are the, the altars and idols in your life that you need to smash and burn and get rid of to allow time in your life and in your family's life to open the Word of God and to teach them and to read with them Scripture. So this brings me to the second thing that I want to highlight. And that is when you smash some idols, not everyone is going to be happy. Let's look again at Judges chapter 6. and verse 28, it says, When the men of the town rose early in the morning... Behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. Now, I'm not saying that as you take a stand in your family and maybe cut out some things that's robbing you from spending time in the Word that your children are going to want you dead. Hopefully, that's not their response. But there may be some opposition. They may not be on board right away, especially if it's something new for them. But in these moments, you've got to remember that you are following the Word of God. That you are being obedient to what God has asked you to do. 
I recently had a friend of mine who uh, enrolled one of his kids into a, a sports team for their school. And I, I think I have nothing against organized sports. If, if it doesn't take away from your worship of God, I think, it's, I think there's great lessons you can learn from sports. But so, he, so his, his kid went into this sports team, and after a few weeks, they, they quickly realized that it was becoming a much larger investment and a more commitment for their whole family to restructure their schedule and organize things so this kid could be on this team. And really, it was disrupting their family life, as most of the practices and the games were on weekdays. They were all getting home really late. They weren't eating dinner around the table. They were just trying to rush their kids to bed after doing their homework. And so it was neglecting their times of family devotion. And so the father made the difficult choice to pull their child off of the team. And so do you think there was some opposition there from the kid? Of course. Dad... What is everyone else on the team going to think when I say I can't play because my dad wants to read the Bible with me at night? You know, these are the things that might come up in your family as you have to make difficult decisions. But it takes sacrifice to make God the center of your family. It's, it's not the easy thing to do. If it was the easy thing to do, all of us would be doing it. Our culture wouldn't look like what it does today. And I think we've been too quick to do the easy thing in our home and worried about facing opposition or worried about doing what's difficult. And it takes work to daily sit with your family and open the Bible with them. I know it does because I'm working on it. It's something I've been really challenged with and convicted of as I've been studying this. But it's worth it. Amen. It is worth it. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. Now I, I know the context of this is talking about God disciplining His children and how many of you are thankful that God disciplines us because He loves us, because we're His sons and daughters? But in verse 11, I, I believe that this is a verse that we can apply the principle of in this situation that we're talking about here. Hebrews 12:11 it says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so as parents, as heads of households, of those who are the, the leader in our family, yes, when we try to implement worship in our family, as we try to steer our family in the direction to make God central in our home, there could be some opposition. It might be difficult. It may not be pleasant in the moment. But that's when we remind ourselves that we aren't working just for this moment that we're working to bring up fruit of righteousness later in their lives. It says later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
So this brings me to the third and final point today that I have. And that's that the family that orients their life around God, the family that makes God central in their home, invites His blessing into their lives. The family that makes God central on the Word of God invites the blessing of God into their lives. Going back to Deuteronomy 6, in verse 2, where he says, Keeping all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. I think long life is a blessing from the Lord. And then, let's see, I know, I know there's another one in here that I wanted to look at. I can't remember. But essentially, God is saying, as you do this, you will be blessed. As you open my word, as you teach your children, you will be blessed. Your sons will be blessed. Your sons' sons will be blessed. And after Gideon, going back to Gideon, after Gideon destroyed the idol and the altars that his father had built, God used him in an amazing way. His obedience to God brought blessing to the nation of Israel. And one more passage I like to share is in Psalms. Psalms 1, the very first psalm. Again, talking about when we make God central in our lives, we invite His blessing. Psalms 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now what I would like for you to do is to put your, your family into this passage. So for me, I would say, blessed is the Bell family who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but our delight is in the law of the Lord. Let this be a passage for your family. That your family is one that is being led to meditate on God's Word day and night. And if they're learning to delight in the Lord, this psalm says that there will be a blessing. So quickly, I want to give a charge to all of those who are the head of a household in your family. So if that's you, if you could raise your hand today. If you're the head of your household, if you lead your family to make the Word of God central in your home. Make a commitment today to open your Bible and to pray with your family every day. Every day. Now, I know this could look different for every family. 
I know the schedules are different for every family. I know my early mornings might work for some, afternoons might work for others, or maybe it's at the very end of the day as you're putting your children to bed. If, if all you can do is open and read a couple of verses with them and pray, whatever you have to do, the, the method isn't what's important. The consistency is what's important. So maybe for you, it's just a couple of minutes a day. Maybe you have young kids and the season you're at, it's just a couple of minutes every day. But start doing it. Make a commitment that you're going to do it. If you can find time in the day and in the week, hopefully this doesn't hurt everybody's feelings, to sit for three hours and watch a football game, you have time to open the Bible and read it to your children and pray with your children. Amen. Thank you. That one person out there. Again, I'm preaching to myself today, okay? But a family that's founded on the Word of God, like I said, it's, it's a little outpost of the kingdom of God. And where the kingdom of God goes... The blessing of God goes and the fruit of the kingdom goes with it. And so let's be people who are committed to this command that we see in Deuteronomy. That we don't take it lightly. That we understand the the importance of establishing our family on the word of God. And that this would be our spiritual worship in our home. I truly believe that the key to godly transformation and the key for our future starts in our homes. And that as families live in humble submission to the Word of God, that that will spread. And that's how we impact communities, is that it starts in our home. So one last passage in Joshua 24. I love the Old Testament, by the way. Teaching through the Old Testament in KBI has been so transformational for me because you really see how much emphasis God puts on His Word and understanding His Word and knowing His Word. <clears throat> but in Joshua 24, Joshua's life is coming to an end. He knows that he's not going to have influence over the Israelites anymore. And so in verse 14, he gives one final charge to them. And my prayer is that this would be what we declare for our homes in Destiny Church. In verse 14 and 15, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Now, this word serve can also be translated as worship. It's, it's, the, it's the same word. 
So if it's evil in your eyes to worship the Lord, choose who you're going to worship. But as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. So let that be the heart cry of our families here at Destiny Church. That we are going to be families who worship the Lord. No matter what's going on in the culture, that we are going to be on the offensive that we are going to be training our children, training our spouses, modeling an example for our kids on what it looks like to live a life of 24-7 worship unto God as a living sacrifice for Him. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank You. God, I thank You that You are a God of mercy and compassion. Lord, none of us here have completely obeyed these commands. All of us have fallen short. All of us have room to grow in this area. But Lord, I pray that by Your Holy Spirit, You would create a vigor in us, a tenacity, a resolve that we are going to open the book in our homes. We are going to pray in our homes that our children, our loved ones, are going to know the Word because that is what Your Word teaches us to do. Lord, remind us of the commitment we've made today as we're going out out through the, the day as we may forget. Lord, remind us and in that time of remembrance that we would be faithful to Obey your word. And Lord, that as we do it, we can trust that there will be a blessing. Lord, your word does not return void. As it goes forth, it will bless the hearers. So God, I pray for every home that's represented today, that there would be a blessing as they open your word and the goodness of God would fill their home and fill their lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.